Hello, everybody. I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. I'm the founder of the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program, creator of Creator. There's my good. I'm using some good enunciation today. I talk for a living. Anyway, creator of the Dream Business Academy, founder of No Hassle Newsletters, which is my extraordinary done-for-you newsletter program used by 1,200 small business owners in nine countries. And I'm also the host of Dream Business Radio, now in its 10th year. This right here is episode 520. Who would have thought that? So I want to welcome you to another very special live edition, something I started doing almost a year ago. And I have a very special guest, Deborah Johnson. How are you doing today, Deborah? I am doing great. It's great to be here with you. And thanks so much for the opportunity. Oh, my pleasure. Hey, folks, this episode is brought to you by the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. If you're an entrepreneur or small business owner, tired of, as I say, slow to no growth in your business, if you're feeling overwhelmed, unfocused, and especially, especially, especially a third, especially, you want to create multiple streams of revenue in your business, something I'm very good at, then check out the Dream Business Mastermind. You can do that at dreambizcoaching, dreambizcoaching.com. Let me tell you a little bit about Deborah, and we'll dive right in. Deborah Johnson is an inspirational speaker. She's an author, an international award-winning music artist, and she helps other people get unstuck by producing and executing a successful plan. I love this. For the second half of their life. It's one of the things when I got to pause real quick. I got pitched about 160 times for guests to be on this show because my show dream business radio was uh, promoted and i looked at deborah's stuff and i'm like that's really interesting i don't think i've ever interviewed a, an award-winning artist in the second half of her life and i was sharing this in in our green room so to speak and i'm like i love that you're so niche anyway i get very excited doing these interviews which is one of the reasons i keep doing them but deborah has been nominated for multiple grammy awards she spent over 20 years in the entertainment industry. She's produced over two dozen albums and she's written three musicals. <laughs> a little bit of an underachiever, Deborah. And she's the author of five books, including The Summit. It's a, an, an allegory, allegory, I don't know what that word is, allegory of the entrepreneur. She speaks in both live and virtual events and she hosts and produces the popular Women at Halftime podcast, and now you're starting to see the, the theme there. So, Deborah, once again, welcome to Dream Business Radio. Well, thank you. That was an amazing introduction. Oh, my gosh. Where did you get all that? <laughs> amazing, amazing about how many times I flubbed a word or something. <laughs> oh, uh, I agree, what It's amazing how much we can kind of get it. Our yeah. around is then when we talk. <laughs> so I mentioned about a month ago, um, Dream Business Radio got featured in a in some podcast publication or something, and I got literally about 160 people apply to be guests. So, which was a nice problem to have, although it took me hours and hours to sift through people. But I reached out to you and I said, Deborah, I've never had like a, a Grammy nominated musician, but I love the fact that you're also an entrepreneur. Um, and, and what I really admired, I, I love when you can niche down your marketing and I read a couple things about the second half, which obviously I'm guessing means the second half of somebody's life. So I guess that means when you're forties, fifties, whatever that means. <laughs> and, um, so I'm very interested in that. Now, before I get to the question, I want to ask you about your book and all kinds of things. Um, I'm, I always start the show out this way. People tell me that I love learning strategies, marketing tactics and all that from your guests, but I also love hearing their backstory, how they became an entrepreneur, maybe some of the challenges, things like that. So one of the ways I start this out is, are you a first generation entrepreneur or did you have parents or grandparents perhaps that kind of showed you the way? 
Well, I didn't even know what the word entrepreneur meant. Mm -hmm. And and it wasn't used. It wasn't used in education. Um, But the uh, I think my father, even though he was a fire captain and, uh, you know, was in that sort of field, he was definitely an entrepreneur because he did things on the side always. Mm -hmm. You can be an entrepreneur with a side business. In fact, I always encourage people to do that, to kind of figure out maybe if they really like what they're doing. And it's very low risk. Uh, it takes a little extra time, but it's very low risk. Okay. So, um, yeah, I think that entrepreneurial streak was there. Um, the musician streak was also there because and that's very entrepreneurial. I think I read, I'm sorry, I think I read, wasn't your grandmother, was she a violinist or? She was a violinist, came over from Italy and Mm -hmm. played in Carnegie Hall and um, with the violin and mandolin when she was um, 16. And she also graduated from the New York Conservatory of Music, which was very unusual for a woman at that time. Yeah. Uh, Then went into, (laughs) this dates uh, her, because she went into an arranged marriage and she had a dozen kids and really never played again. So it, that was, but that sort a of strange, yeah, wow. it kind of came down, but it was, it's, you know, I really never got to hear her really play, which mm-hmm. is totally a shame. But I did, I do have a sister who was a professional, is still a professional violinist. I've used her for some of my projects. And so I grew up as her free accompanist and I've always loved violin music and string music. Uh, actually, um, through through my lifetime too. I really think a musician is an entrepreneur because you know when you become an entrepreneur, you may have business cards, you may have an office, you may have all the things, but if you don't go out and bring in some revenue, right? How, how do you live? And right. you could be an, an, a musician, you could be very accomplished, you know, Carnegie Hall or whatever. Right. But if you don't get gigs, either get your own gigs or get into orchestras, or whatever, then that's it. So you really have to learn to sell. So was it the entrepreneurial? Well, I guess I want to um, get ahead of myself. So did you go right into music? Like after high school, did you go to a music college or what did that look like? Well, I was kind of pushed into education. And okay. uh, I always thought I'd get that degree mm-hmm. just to fall back on because <laughs> yeah. I was to perform. Um, and I was your safety net for musicians, right? Go get safety net. (laughs) I had been, I started teaching when I was 13 and teaching like that is also a, an entrepreneurial field. And because you are always developing new students and, you know, telling people, yes, I can take more and all of this, but I started teaching adults at the age of 13 because I started teaching kids because I didn't want to pull weeds or um, babysit the five kids next door. So I started teaching piano. And so then I started teaching their parents. And so I, that put me through school. It was fairly lucrative all the way through. And so I've never quit teaching. And then when I went into college, um, I, you know, my dad was big, which I always appreciated. He said, no one can take away that degree, that piece. Yeah. Of so he really encouraged uh, us girls. I have two sisters and now it's kind of funny because then I had three sons, but, uh, two sisters and he always encouraged us to finish our education. So, but I was kind of pushed into that area, even though I was already performing and doing some touring and, uh, all over actually. Uh, but pushed into the area of education because it was so natural for me. And I was kind of, um, you know, encouraged 
to, to keep going there. And so that, um, but I didn't feel like that was my, my calling of being in a classroom full-time. I've always just done part-time. I've taught every single level through graduate school. I've, I've gotten mm, jobs, but, wow. but that wasn't really what I loved to do. I love to create. I absolutely love to create. And uh, I do like to perform. Performance is an outflow of the creativeness. So my performing in music, when I've done headline entertainment, that's been an outflow of, of creating music and of creating arrangements and shows. And the speaking is an outflow of the messaging and of the writing. So it, that's, it, it's, that all, that's where it all connects together. But you were so correct, uh, Jim, when you were talking about you know, gigs because I've, I've worked so many years on referral and the, usually the jobs kind of come to me. I have mm -hmm. pursued things I've showcased. I've done showcases across the country for performing arts. It's a great way for people to see you live because you go to those conferences and I lined up showcase rooms. Actually, I, I produced them, but the, the, the fact of getting just getting gigs, one gigs to another, that that is a fact of being an entertainer as well. Yeah. So, you know, and staying on. So those were those were very, very insightful for you for um, bringing them up. So you uh, I believe I read uh, in the introduction, you um, produced two dozen albums and you wrote three musicals. Did 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 I mean, did the, the album sold and did the musicals get turned into plays or? Yeah, the um, the albums got me work. Mm -hmm. And uh, usually you don't make you don't plan on making a whole lot of money from doing an album project, especially if it's independent. I've done a lot of independent work uh, unless you have a huge company behind you throwing in a million dollars behind you. <laughs> so okay. a million dollars I was going to spend. And uh, as books are pretty much the same way. Uh, sometimes the main publishers, they will do some of that, but a lot of times it's up to the writer and up to the artist to do that sort of promotion. Um, but th those, as far as um, the products there, they got me work, they got me shows, and it's a, it's like a business card. Uh, the musicals, I always call them a bad habit, a money pit. Uh, like a boat. <laughs> you know, like, oh, oh my gosh, I had no clue that going into that uh, after even writing my first and writing my second one um, that, oh, you have to produce these. Oh, I've got to plan world premieres of these musicals. I've got to hire directors. I've got to hire actors, which is a whole different field. And, you know, through all of this and writing is rewriting in musicals. I've uh, That's where really I learned that craft to where mm. You know, you start putting something on a stage and an actor doesn't feel like it's going to the right place. You are up all night working, <laughs> rewriting a scene. So those were some very big learning experiences. So now I do have those available. They can mm -hmm. be done, done at some schools and uh, community events. I'm starting to promote those more. They take a long time to get launched. You know, what you describe about the musical and all the stuff that comes after, I mean, it's very much like being an author. When you finally yes. get your book done, you, you kind of right. go, whew, I'm done. You go, nope, you're not even at the 50-yard line. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The promotion, the interviews, everything mm -hmm. you got to do to make that book sell um, and, and put out there. So um, anyway, 
so you then st- I, I, I we're a half an hour show because I feel like I'm going to skip ahead to the to the mid part. Okay. But at some point, you're you're teaching, you're writing, you're producing, mm-hmm. um, and then you also started writing books. Was the was the book part of your more entrepreneurial side, or was how did that come about? Actually, I was already an entrepreneur. What I was doing was I felt like in the music field, uh, this was kind of right at that point of 2008 and nine with. With a great recession and oh yeah, started dropping out, and especially it happened a lot in the entertainment field as well. That I was doing some headline shows, and all of a sudden those either started canceling or um, they weren't booking as much. And I felt like, okay, what is the future here? And what I saw, I had some agents I was working with, and what I saw were the uh, music act were mostly. They were they were hiring the name acts or those with a hit song or those with tribute acts that were doing name acts and hit songs. Mm. And and I was um, either at my solo show uh, was doing uh, a tribute to Gershwin and, and Andrew Lloyd Webber because I could do all the money notes and I play. Uh, but. Uh, I was also doing a, a dueling piano show, a headline show. And those were a little bit more of a variety show. And I felt like, okay, so where is the market going? I had to study it a bit. And I found that a lot of those organizations and corporations were were hiring, still hiring speakers, speakers that I didn't know who they were. I didn't even know that was a thing. Mm, to and, be a paid speaker? Yeah, paid mm. speaker. And so I started talking to uh, a couple of my agents, and especially one, I ended up, uh, my husband and I ended up visiting and spending a little time um, with her. She had an agency and said, what is this speaking thing? Is it a thing? And what is it? <laughs> you know, yeah. so started doing some research. And that's where I started expanding. And really, the speaking is an expansion of the career because I... I still work for Disney with music and still do some things. I'm not doing a lot of those headline and the shows. I'm not advertising those at all anymore. But but uh, with the speaking, with the books and all that, it's a creative aspect. Writing a book is very similar to writing the book of a, a musical. Writing is rewriting and you need to cut it down. Sometimes you got to cut out a chapter. Sometimes it's just like a musical. You got to cut out a song and it just rips yeah. your heart out. You got to cut out a scene. Uh, but that's what the whole process is. And so I, I, it's work. I love what I do, but it's definitely work and it's consistent work. And it's and as an entrepreneurial um, entity here, I, you know, I, I plan my time fairly you know, regularly to make sure I'm on track with projects. Yeah. And it seems to me you you have a really strong creative side of your personality or you know it's it's who you are whether it's through the music or the books or the speaking you love the creative side of things so how did you did you always know that and then how did you learn to kind of maximize that in your business and and in your private life well I, i i know people that are so much more talented than i am and so much actually more creative that mm. when they put things together you just watch their mind you know um but my creativeness comes, I think, is that I'm I'm very, very consistent. Um, and I come back to rewriting and I come back to doing it again and doing it again. I, I have more ideas than I'll ever have time for in my life. <laughs> so I, I really <laughs> just a lot of ideas. 
Yep. Uh, because I write them down. If I don't write them down, they're gone. Okay, they're gone. <laughs> but the um, the creativeness is expanding on that. What is worth my time, spending my time on, and yeah. how I feel like I can help more people. Like the book I'm finishing now, it'll it won't be ready until uh, the beginning of next year. But it's a subject. Uh, in fact, I was planning on writing a sequel to the summit. That was going to be my next book, and there was there was a whole series on being able to get out of your personal roundabout where I I speak on this. And I thought I need to write that book. I need to put all of that into book form. What a great analogy! Yeah, people get stuck in those roundabouts. Yeah, they get stuck in the roundabout, uh, and they're not even ready to climb their summit yet. They're not even yeah. ready to climb their hero mountain because they're still stuck in a roundabout. Yeah, so, so I want to I want to ask you about the summit, which is your latest book, and I was I was checking that out uh, online. But there's another book before we go there. Um, you wrote a book um, called Women at Halftime, mm-hmm. um, and so this is where you know I, I first started realizing your whole focus on. I don't know if you if you feel a calling or, or desire to help women, kind of at that whatever the halftime in their mind is. Um, to move on. Now, some of the chapters, I, I, I don't have room or time to ask you all of them, but I'm, I'm going to call them out because I think it shows your creative side. So the chapters in the book, Women at Halftime, um, At the Base of Hero Mountain, Mindset Cable, Passion Cable, Competency Cable, Skills Cable, Habits Cable. I'm thinking as you have all the cables, it's the cable going up the mountain, but I, you right. can correct me. <laughs> okay. Right. Relationships Cable and Reaching the Summit. So I, I guess I figured out that analogy, but what is the hero mountain? Where is where does that come in? Well, hero mountain is the top of your summit. And that's mm. where, that's where you are climbing, and okay. it was a great analogy. I was able to uh, trademark it, and just because of that sort of um, the sort of visual that people have of climbing their summit, and mm-hmm. hero mountain is the last uh, part of the character in the the uh, book, The Summit, as well. It's an allegory, which is a story within a story. So that's why it's more like a musical, almost like a book. Uh, I just learned what an allegory was. Yeah, that's what an allegory is. And okay. it's almost like, you know, the Harry Potter series, except for it's, mm-hmm. not, it's, it's, it's got some of that um, realistic fantasy in it. Uh, okay. But it's not quite what the Harry Potters are. In fact, I read every single one of those books while I was writing it because I just love the... I mean, she's a great writer. Uh, um, so it, but the, the analogy of getting to your summit. So those cables are all very important part of your life of, you know, starting with the mindsets and putting those habits, your relationship, they all work together. So that's what I really covered. Women at halftime is a halftime of life mid career. And I focus, it's not just for women, it's also for men. Men, uh, they listen to my podcast, they do, you know, and a lot of men are involved there too, but it was easier to brand women. So, and there's, um, and they relate to it. Women buy more of the books and they listen more to um, material like this. So, yeah. um, and I've had my newsletter going too for probably, I don't know how many years, I might date myself here, probably 20, but it's a weekly newsletter. So, those um, people that are are listening and involved in that message to be able to move forward in their life, that's what I will, really want to help. But some people aren't even to that stage because they're stuck in that roundabout. And that's where I'm doing the, that. that okay. It's kind of the, 
the pre-story of what some of those stories, you know, you, you read this great novel and now you want to know, well, what happened before that? So that's kind of what this is, is kind of getting people ready for that. But that's what Mallory, the character in The Summit, her name's right. ill-fated. That's what the, her name means, Mallory. And she has to change her name um, after she gets through all of these different lands in getting to actually climbing her summit. Mm, and her name turns to Andriette, which means strong and courageous. But she had to go through all of those different lands to even get to that place. So the the halftime uh, analogy, was that something that you came up with? or Because a lot of times as entrepreneurs or when you're working with people at a coaching level or consulting level, you hear things like somebody might say to you, oh, I just feel like I'm, I'm at the halfway point or half point. Was that something you came up with or where? how did that originate? Well, I actually got the idea because years ago I had read this book by Bob Buford and he was a sportscaster and he had written this book. Um, actually, I think it was in the Christian men's market. Mm -hmm. about the halftime of life. And these men were looking now for more significance. They were looking to not just go into the, you know, these were CEOs, these were yeah. so they, There was this whole institute of this halftime institute, but I thought that is a great, there's nothing really women at halftime. There's nothing like that. I just liked that sort of name. I couldn't mm -hmm. really, I'd trademark that name, but I could use the name because you can, you can use that sort of name because it wasn't a, uh, it, it's not associated. Actually, I, I did um, talk to, you know, some of the, the people in that Institute. I just wanted to make sure. And I was above board, sent them my book and everything else. So they knew what it was about. Um, but the women at halftime, people get it. They understand yeah. what it is. And that's what I needed to do in that sort of branding that this helps. And once a month, see, once a month, I bring on my husband with me too on our podcast. Mm -hmm. It's a little different format than anybody else has. <laughs> but we've been married for a number of years. He was a professional athlete when I married him. And so we have a lot to share. But plus, we have adult kids now. So there's a lot of things that we share at that point. But we also share a lot of business because he was an RIA. He's been in sales. He's a number of different things. And so I have one guest a month. I speak twice a month and I bring him on. So it's a it's a big variety that I like to have in that sort of format. Yeah. You know, some of the um, I would say uh, some of the perspective coaching members that I talk with. And um, one of the themes I hear probably more than almost the other is it. Do you think there's still time? Oh, Could yeah. I do this? Right. Um, I, I you know in my own head, because I still think I'm, I'm, I'm quite young. I would think I'm at halftime, but I don't think I'm going to live to be 128. So I think I'm past halftime, but a lot of people get to a point, whether they're their fifties or sixties and they, you know, they've had a good career or, but they feel like they really want to scratch that entrepreneurial itch, or they want to do something that's going to plug a hole. Like they've made the money or they've got the house, they've got the, there's a hole that they want to fill. Um, sounds like that's some of the work that you do. Yes. And mid uh, mid career halftime of life officially, according to the Internet, we know how true that is, okay. um, is after age 40. But usually uh, it's people that are kind of in their 50s and they're mm -hmm. going through some of those same things that you just mentioned of uh, restlessness and wondering, OK, is there more? Is What's next? Yeah. And with you all really start to feel the clocks running out, which, by the way, this is. This is on my desk. I think I showed you this when I first met you. This is on my desk all the time. I from, love uh, that. Yeah, from when I had cancer at 41. So maybe that oh. was the 
halfway point out. It's just I'm always reminded that, you know, yeah. the sand's running out. And you can't stop it. Um, yeah. So, Deborah, or, yeah, Deborah, I want to ask you about um, your book, The Summit, Journey to Hero Mountain. Yes. Um, and I, I love the way See, I'm, I'm a writer and I help people write. So I love the creative process and I love naming chapters. So it's like intriguing. So you have the timely offer, the arrangement, the tangled forest, the keys to courage, the gems of opportunity, the bridge of possibility. Totally love that. The danger of distraction, the wings yes. of hope, preparation for the climb, and then the summit. So it seems like your book really goes on the journey to crescendo, yes. right? And not every book does that. Yes. In fact, I have some maps that are in actually in the book. Mm -hmm. um, and they're not in color in the book. Uh, I have them as downloads, but nice. I have color maps or these other maps that are actually because they're, it's a journey through there. I have a separate map for the journey to Hero Mountain. And then I have a map of the land of Allure because the land of Allure has um, the, the um, imagination. Nobody's there because they're all at the social media circus. And so you have, mm. you know, all of these different parts and made up names of Bluebird and some of those other, but yeah, there, it is an actual journey through these lands and things that our character, our main protagonist has to overcome. And she has, she's given um, some jewels. She finds some jewels and she wants to keep them because they look so valuable, more valuable than anything else she's had, but she has to spend them one at a time to even get to the next step. And it really shows how, in that sort of analogy, how we are given something so precious, which is our talent, our resources, uh, where we live, um, our, our relationships. And sometimes giving those multiplies it. And so there, there are some of those, and I'm, I'm not that um, specific on the application, mm -hmm. but you get it that she's had to spend this to go to the next, you know, that's what you'd like to do as a writer is leave a little bit of that to make sure people use their own imagination. So yeah, it was, um, it was one of the hardest books I've written. <laughs> so it's not really a how-to book. It really is a story it's with a, story a message. Yeah, but there's so many principles, self-help okay. principles in it. And that's what I wanted. I wanted people to, to be able to get to the end of the book and go, wow. And it's not just for those at halftime. I've had comments that I need to give this to my grandkids. This is a great story that people that graduated from high school, graduated from college, they need to read this book. It's short and sweet. It's about, I don't know, 150 pages. I, can, I don't know how many pages, but... It's not that long. It's easy, right. pretty easy to read, but it but it's so applicable, and it's it's a good moral straight ahead message of being able to use your gifts and getting beyond your fear, and and something our character has to do too. She's given a band of hope, and I usually have one here, but I don't. It's a yellow band of hope that she has mm -hmm. to put on her wrist. And she could never take it off. If she loses it, she loses hope and she can't get to her summit. So there's wow. those sort of analogies in this story. So it was really fun to write. I've loved writing all my books, actually. <laughs> <laughs> They're like children, aren't they? I mean, it's they crazy. They are. They are just so much. Uh, yeah, they are. They are, except for, yeah, 
Well, yeah. we're fast running out of time. I got room for one, maybe one question, but I'm going to jam in too because it's my show. So, what, so if they're so, he, here's how I'll preface this: We're getting on an elevator. We're only going to third floor, so it's got to be an answer. <laughs> that what, what's the main message that you want? If, if people read the book, when they read the book, the summit, what's what's that core message you want them to take away? I want them to take away that they can do it. They can mm -hmm. maximize their skills. They can maximize their resources. They've got um, experience. They, they've got all of this. There's hope for that, to do that, to have a next step, to be able to go on. And that's my whole, my whole business from music on has been about encouragement of to, to give people hope. And that if you lose hope, you've really lost everything. I mean, we've, we've seen that and, and people die when they, yeah. so, yeah. but, but there is, and don't, don't get on your deathbed and say, Oh, I wish I had, mm -hmm. no, that's, that's where I want to make sure there are no, as much as I can encourage people to not have regrets at that point. That's actually why Stephanie and I, did the unwise thing according to her financial person, sold everything, <laughs> bought that boat and toured for five years. <laughs> Sounds fun. I know we didn't wait for retirement because, you know, according to this retirement might, you know, so we decided to figure out a way, how do we live our life and have a big adventure? So yeah, I really like that. Um, so just to let you know, I, I do a lot of research when I have somebody like you on my show. Mm -hmm. I, I was looking at your website and you had a blog post. So I'll squeeze in one more question here. <laughs> the blog post that really caught my attention was, does the impact of peer pressure ever end? Yes. What made you write that? I mean, I kind of know, but. <laughs> well, it doesn't ever, ever end. Um, and, and that was the point of it, that. You know, we think we're through this in junior high school, high school and all of that. But we can feel that pressure from from people doing business around us that that we're looking on social media and we're looking at, oh, they've got 300 likes in one day. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, look at their their song is going in and, and, and their book. Oh, they have a hundred comments already. Those sort of we put it on ourselves yeah. and, and we also get the pressure. I get marketing, you know, things every day of just people wanting to help me move ahead. And so there's this sort of pressure that we feel and, and, and this comparison. I mean, we felt a little bit of that comparison to raising kids. All of a sudden we had a neighbor that their kids would, you know, they could do no wrong. And I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, my boys are, climbing the roof in the rain and my neighbor's calling me, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, but it, we feel some of that sort of pressure all through our lives, I think personally and in business and to really understand who we are, what we stand for, what our core values are, and not to feel like we have to live up to anything of anybody else's expectations, whether imagined or true. Yeah. You know, one of the things I teach my students is because um, I'm on social media a lot and it's like, well, Jim, I'm not getting enough likes. I'm not getting comments. And to me, it's like put your stuff. You want to put your best stuff out there so it will help people, whether it yes. inspires them, encourages them or to help them. Because some of the stuff that I put out there, I'm, I'm kind of known for, for Jim's tough love. So I'll put it right out there. 
And um, I don't expect people to like and comment because in a way it's like disclosing yourself. Oh, that was me. You wrote that for it. Nobody's going to do that. <laughs> but I hear I hear a lot. I get some private messages. I hear from my own students that, oh, did I inspire that article? So I know this stuff's going out there. And so my mission is to is to, you know, use this tool of social media to help put out some good information, which hopefully might attract people to me. But I don't do it for the likes and the comments. You'd like to see them. I mean, we all have an ego, right? But it's like, just do your job. Put the information out there. So anyway, I could talk for another half hour. What what website would you like people to connect with you? How, how do you <laughs> want to make my website? <laughs> Which one of your hundred websites oh do you want people to? Yeah, I actually I've scaled down, believe it or not. Mm. Um, I love people to get to my newsletter, which is okay. goalsforyourlife.com. That's all connected, goalsforyourlife.com forward slash newsletter. So that way you can connect with me. And on that page, you'll find other links to the podcast. You should find a link to my speaking site, Deborah Johnson Speaker. Everyone loves the music. DJ works music. I've had that. That was my very first website. And and the reason why I wrote Bad Code, because it got hacked. Um, but anyway, it's up. It's running. It's got tons of music on it, tons of videos. So, yeah. But if you get on my newsletter um, or just connect with me on the social media. But those three websites. Also, um, I have a weekly article that comes out. But if you get on the newsletter, you'll get that. And goalsforyourlife.com forward slash blog is where my articles all are. It's a separate website. I was told to do that because I have a membership site on the other. So, Okay. Yeah, well, there, there's a, there's plenty of information. Nobody's been able to even write that down yet. So, they're, they're <laughs> so the main one, the one I want to put in the um, description for the for the podcast, yeah. goals with an S for your life.com forward slash newsletter, correct? Yeah, yes. Okay. You can connect with me that way. Also, you can get to me um, on that page. It'll have other links on it. And well, I have a lot of free stuff on my websites too. So if you just get on any of you know, the information. I'm always putting those out. Well, that's awesome. By the way, um, this gentleman here is in my group, good friend of mine for a long time, Phil Brakefield. He he actually was a, um, not, I was going to say touring musician. He was like road crew, Three Dog Night, Elvis, all these great musicians. I don't think he he road crewed for Gershwin or any, any of those <laughs> folks, but I know he was looking forward to uh, to wow. hearing the interview. So Deborah, thank you so much. Uh, it's been a real pleasure having you on uh, Dream Business Radio. Well, it has been a pleasure. And for your friend who was on the road crew, crew, my thanks and my appreciation for you because you guys keep the artists going. So I always appreciate those people. Well, he was a hard worker, but something yeah. makes me think he did it for the free beer. But anyway, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, <maybe. laughs> I work with plenty of them, too. So. That's right. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with my guest, Deborah Johnson. What a great one. Listen to it again. I highly recommend that if you're watching this or listening to it on the replay, hit hashtag replay and, and leave a comment for Deborah. I'm sure she'd appreciate that. I highly recommend you connect with her at goalsforlife.com goals forward for slash. Your life. Yes. Oh, goals, goals for, for your life. life. <laughs> and I wrote that down. In my head, I'm like, Jim, you're going too fast. <laughs> Goalsforyourlife.com. Thank you. Yes. Forward slash newsletter. But the others you can get to me too. It'll it'll have a link to the newsletter anywhere. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and you can connect with me at getjimpalmer.com. That's pretty simple. Getjimpalmer.com. <laughs> and if you're interested, again, in, in uh, joining me and about mm, 27 other smart entrepreneurs in my coaching program. That's Dream Biz Coaching, Dream B-I-Z Coaching. And as part of my legacy building program, because I am far past the halfway point, <laughs> um, I have made all six of my books um, available for free in digital format. So that's obviously 
Kindle on Amazon, uh, Nookbooks on Barnes and Noble, and the iBookstore. But that's it until this time next week. Another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. You take good care.